Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given in the local listening area. Today's show features Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and his presentation recorded at the Catholic Men's Fellowship of Northeast Ohio Annual Conference in March 2014. And now, here is Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. St. Paul lays the foundation for us to get back on track. Our spirituality as men must flow from the sacred heart of Jesus and it's called to live the gospel with fervor and humility. That means we must willingly and lovingly lay down our lives in service to the church, to our families, in imitation of the saints and in witness to the awesome power and testimony of the crucified Christ. This is exactly what St. Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 5. So open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 5. Now, after I was ordained and started preaching, I noticed that in the lectionary there's a long form and there's a short form. Usually when this reading comes along in a cycle, the, the lector will take the short form. They'll leave this part out, Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 22. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of his wife. And skipping down, verse 24, so that wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. Ooh, ouch! That grates hard on 21st century ears, doesn't it? But it's verses like this where I love being Catholic. If Dave Verbum, the Second Vatican Council, document of the Word of God taught us anything, that we as Catholics look at the entire content and unity of Scripture. We look at the whole thing. What verses come before? What verses come after? What is the chapter about? What is the book about? What does the Old Testament say? We look at everything. Now, if we take this pericope, this section of Scripture, and we look at what Paul is saying, let's look at the bookends. He starts at verse 21. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does that sound like to you? Equality, mutual subjection, one to the other. How does he end in verse 31? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. What, does that sound familiar? That's Genesis chapter 2, almost word for word. He starts off saying they're equal. He ends saying they're equal. Why we got a problem with what comes in the middle? Now that we have the bookends to probably understand what St. Paul is trying to say, let's continue. Be subject to one another. Wives, be subject to your husbands. The word for subject to in Greek is hupotasso. I like that word. I even like saying it. Hupotasso. <laughs> hupotasso is a military word. It's a military word for soldiers who place themselves under the direction and mission of a general. So in other words, wives are supposed to place themselves under their husband's mission. What is the husband's mission? To love his wife as Christ loved the church. How did Christ show his love for the church? He gave his life and died for her. This is no different for the priests or for the brothers. You give your life and die. Who's your bride? The church. No different. We men are to give our life. All the single guys, who's your bride? The culture. You give your life and die 
every day for your wife, for your children, for the church, and for the culture. Someone asked me once, what are the most important priorities in your life, Deacon? I said my relationship with God, my family, and then everything else. I said, Deacon, I'm surprised that you put your relationship with, I thought you put your family first. I'm saying, let me tell you something. If I'm not right with God, I'm no good to my family. You know, someone's going to come to my door one day and want to take my daughter someplace. And I'm going to do everything that a, a good father and husband will do in that situation. I'm going to have my Glock out, shining it up when the guy comes to the door. I'm going to do a background check on him and his family. And I'm going to give my daughter that talk, huh? But what I say to her in those few minutes are going to go in one ear and out the other. Why? Because she's focused on that guy. What she's going to take out the door with her that night is the same thing she's going to take down the aisle with her one day. The same thing she may take it to the convent with her one day. She's going to have 19 years of watching how I treat my wife. So the greatest gift I can ever give to my children is to love my wife as Christ loved the church, to give my life and die for them every single day of my life, to die to myself and live for them. Because if I want my daughter to marry the man of her dreams, I'd better show her what one looks like. <laughs> so how do we do this? Prayer is the key. But what about when you got something difficult going on in your life? How, does, how do you push past that? Ten years ago, my best friend, we've known each other since the fourth grade. Actually, we're more like brothers than friends. We were in grade school together, high school together, Boy Scouts together. Uh, we did everything. He was the best man at my wedding. I was the best man at his wedding. And 10 years ago, he came back from Germany, and he thought he had pneumonia. Uh, he called me. He didn't sound too good. I said, you need to get that checked out, man. She said, yeah, I got an appointment scheduled. So he went, the doctor got checked, I took some tests. He did not have pneumonia. Instead, he had a very aggressive form of small cell lung cancer. He was diagnosed on a Monday. He went to Sloan Kettering Institute in New York City on Thursday of that same week, and he died the next day. 38 years old, left behind a wife, four-year-old son, and a one-year-old son. The same group of us who were groomsmen at his wedding were now pallbearers at his funeral in the same church. I will never forget the look on his mother's face when they rolled the casket into the church, and I will never forget the stoic image of his wife as they closed the casket for the last time. And I thought to myself, how are they going to get past this? How is Alicia supposed to get a job now? Because Craig worked, she didn't. How is she supposed to get a job and support those two boys by herself? How do you give honor and praise to God? How do you even trust God at a time like that? It made no sense. Now, I'm a guy who loves to pray. I love to pray. My, in fact, the, my love for prayer was steeped in me by the Benedictines. I lived in a monastery all my four years, in and out all my four years of high school, during the summers when I came back from college and I joined the community. Prayer, adoration, silence, the office, all of that was fostered. I love to pray. During this time after Craig's death, I felt nothing. I felt empty. I felt void. I felt desolate. I was pissed at God. I'm not going to lie to you. 
This doesn't make any sense. Why him? All these jerks out here raping and killing and murdering people, and my best friend has to die like that? I didn't understand what God was doing. Looking at his family, he said, how are they going to... Reality's here. I mean, it's nice to have all the theory in your head. It's nice to tell people, oh, God will... But when when it starts to affect your life, I started to think about all this stuff. And I said the words of prayer. I said the words of the office that felt... Nothing. I said him because I put my hands in the hands of the bishop and said, I will pray the office every day on behalf of the whole church. I felt nothing. How do you get past that? What I learned was that the real cross of prayer is to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of every single situation in your life. Huh? That Jesus Christ is Lord of every single situation in our lives. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And if we want to respond to the Lord's activity in our lives, we have to reflect our trust in his love for us. So prayer has to become more than just what you do. It has to become part of who you are. Why? In order to pray like that, we have to get rid of our old life. Just as faith requires us to surrender everything to God. So surrendering means what? Letting go. It means we have to look to Jesus as our example. Because it's in giving ourselves away in love that we truly find ourselves in God. We pray because we love. We pray because by God's power and none other, we can be truly transformed by prayer. That means we have to let go of the steering wheel and let God drive. That's scary, my brothers. I left my job, very high paying, very important, crazy benefits, awesome job, a year and a half ago to do this because that's what God wanted. Scariest thing I've ever done in my life. I've never not worked for someone, (laughs) but it got to a point where I could not do both anymore. And And I did what any intelligent man would do. I talked with my wife. I tell you what, if you think... You're the boss in your house. You're an idiot. <laughs> you ain't the boss of nothing. What, what did she say? Man, if our example is to crucify Christ, what did the crucified Christ teach us? The greatest among you is the least. I have not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus concretized this whole thing about servant leadership when he washed the apostles' feet to show that headship and leadership and authority is rooted in service. If you try to make any decisions, important decisions about your family, without consulting your wife, you're a fool. So I, you know, and I was scared. So I had to to get people to try to talk me out of it. I talked to some guys from my wedding party. Pat, what do you think, man? I'm thinking, Pat, very logical. He worked in D.C. He knows the whole political system. You know, he said, you should have done it a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Pat. Thanks, brother. Jim, another guy from my wedding party. Jim, he knows me real well. What do you think, Jim? You're scared, aren't you? Oh, yeah, Jim, I'm scared. You feel like you're, you're standing on the edge, don't you? Oh, yeah, Jim, I'm scared. I, I look down. Whoo, scary down there. He said, yeah, I know. And I thought Jim would say, step back and reassess. He said, jump off. The Lord will build your wings on the way down. So then I said, this ain't work. I got to talk to the Protestants. So there's a Protestant minister that I'm, I'm good friends with. In fact, shh, don't tell anybody, I did his, wedding, his marriage prep. 
because he liked the way I knew scripture, so he wanted me to do his marriage prep. But don't tell anybody. I went to him. I said, what do you think, pastor? He said, deacon, I believe that you're talented. I believe this is a gift from God. But I don't think it's going to work in the Catholic Church. I said, well, I ain't coming to your side, brother. <laughs> you can forget that. He goes, no, 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 that's not what I mean. He said, you know, financially, because I know that's something you're worried about. But he said, and I disagree with him when he said this, Catholics are cheap. I said, you know what, my brother, I would have to disagree with you. My experience is that Catholics are very generous. He said, well, that may be true, but I just know you're going to make a lot more money if you were over here. I said, no, brother, I'll take my chances. <laughs> so then I said, okay, God is speaking here. So I talked to three people who are very, very good friends of mine, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, who have helped me immensely. Father Mitch Pacwa, my scripture professor in graduate school. Father Larry Richards. <laughs> Who's the one who got me on Facebook, by the way, but that's a long story. And Patrick Madrid. Those three guys really helped me, right? But I still was scared. I knew God was calling me. I was, what would make the difference? I, my, I had to make a decision. My wife and I went out to the final dinner. We ran the numbers again. We ran the budget again. We, you know, and I was still scared. She goes, hon, I really believe that God is calling you to do this. And after all, God's in charge of finances, not the university. She said, I think we should do it. Notice, not you should do it. We should do it. You see her up here anywhere? <laughs> yeah, she doesn't travel with me. Why? She's holding down the fort at home. I can't do what I do without her. Without her love and support, it doesn't work. Why? Because we're one flesh. So the key, my brothers, is to never stop praying. Never stop learning about the faith. Never stop asking questions. Never stop struggling. See, here's the thing. If you're struggling with things of the faith, that's okay. Because out of honest struggle comes growth. What a lot of people do, they just outright reject the faith. I'm just not going to believe that because that's stupid. And without any attempt... To wrestle with, or, so, or is this even true or not? They don't even want to do that. Because they want to they feel, 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 and not think. And we belong to a church of thinkers. The mind, the heart, and the soul. So struggle is okay, but be honest about it. Understand that, again, the strength comes from him, not from yourself. Christ did not, and what we means, when we start living the way that we've been talking about today, all the speakers we've been talking about, that means you have to be countercultural. Why? Jesus told the truth, and they killed him. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen to you when you do what Jesus says? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and put it down when it gets heavy? <laughs> Follow me. And what happened when, when Jesus picked up his cross? They spat on him, they kicked him, they punched him, they mocked him. Jesus did not carry a cross and die so his truth could be changed by the culture. Jesus came to transform the culture with his truth. And Jesus says, when we encounter him, the way, the truth, and the life, that truth will do what? Set us free. I end with this. I talked about my father. Now, I was born in Barbados, okay? We're immigrants to the United States. I came to the United States when I was three years old. We moved to New Jersey. That's where I grew up. My father's a professional entertainer. 
professional singer. As I mentioned before, he loved women, alcohol, and cigarettes. There's at least 15 other kids besides the four kids he had with my mother through affairs he had before, during, and after his marriage to my mom. 15 that we know of. My half-siblings tell me there's probably more. Uh, the cigarette stuff, the alcohol stuff is just crazy. I mean, there's some stuff that happened I'm just coming to grips with now. My father was pagan, never baptized, never went to church, never saw my father in church. The only time I even heard my father use the name of God was in vain. Very angry, not too physically abusive, but, you know, there's issues. Parents divorced, ugly divorce. That's the only summer I didn't come home from Notre Dame, my junior, between my junior and senior year when they got divorced. My relationship changed with my dad from bad to worse when I got accepted to the Benedictines. My mother was thrilled. My father was not. Our, our conversation went something like this. You are going to do what? You're the first person in our family ever to go to college. You had an academic scholarship to Notre Dame. You graduate with a degree in economics and business. And now you're going to live your life, waste your life living with a bunch of men? What's wrong with you? What am I supposed to tell my friends? I told him what he could tell his friends. <laughs> and then we didn't speak for 18 years. As far as I was concerned, my father was dead. He was a corpse. I wouldn't give a damn if I never spoke to him again. Before I, I uh, okay, I was in the monastery, I was very happy. My mom had a heart attack, almost died. I left the monastery to take care of my mom and my sister, who was still in high school at the time, because I'm the oldest. When I was out of the monastery, I went to a wedding of some Notre Dame friends, met a woman there who ended up being my wife, didn't go back to the monastery, moved out to Oregon. I'm fast forwarding here. Before I left for Oregon, I was saying goodbye to my mom, and she only asked me one thing. She goes, son, I only want you to do one thing. Sure, mommy. I want you to pray for your father. It was one of the only times in my life that I actually remember looking my mother in the face and telling her straight up, no. And she said, I don't think you heard me, son. <laughs> I said, I'd like you to pray for your father. Okay, mommy, okay. So I reluctantly, I prayed for my father. I felt, again, just said the words meant nothing. Wedding invitation, no response. Birth announcements for each of the kids, no response. Even an invitation ordination, even though I knew he wouldn't even think about church. No response. And I was happy with that. Then, 2006, my first series on EW10 started airing, Behold the Man. I think they have it downstairs, as a matter of fact. My it starts airing internationally. My relatives in Barbados call my father. I think that's your son on TV. My son? So unbeknownst to me, my father starts watching. Unbeknownst to me, my father not only watches my series, he started watching Mass. Unbeknownst to me, my father was not watching only Mass in my series. He also began to watch some nun that laughs like, <laughs> A year later, all this was going on unbeknownst to me. A year later, my father calls me out of the blue. I'm driving home from the university. I'm in my car. The cell phone rings. I look at it. It's a New Jersey prefix. I think it's my brother called me from someplace. I just, hello? Son? 
I almost crashed the car. I had to pull over to the side of the road. I stopped the car. I was shaking. I was like, what? And he starts talking. He starts talking. And when I hung up the phone, it said 3112. 31 minutes and 12 seconds. He spent most of that time talking to me about Jesus. Now, let me tell you, don't clap, because I'm going to tell you my response. <laughs> I hung up the phone. I yelled out in the car. I was all alone in the car. Bull, figure out the rest. <laughs> I said, this man spent most of his life lying to us. And all of a sudden, after 18 years, I'm just all of a sudden supposed to just accept the fact that, oh, I know Jesus now, son. Let me tell you something, Pop. I'm the one who travels to Singapore, Malaysia, South Africa, Japan, Guam, Italy, Ireland, Australia, a dozen other countries talking about Jesus. You don't know Jesus. I know Jesus. I said, Lord, if you have anything to do with this, you're going to have to show me. And I learned that night, you got to be careful what you ask for. <laughs> I got an invitation to speak back in Jersey. I, oh, whenever I go back home, just like I did last week I was in Jersey, I stayed at my brother's place. He arranged me to see my dad. My dad walks in. My dad was a big guy like me. He had lost more than half his body weight. He had prostate cancer. He lost most of his hair, but... He started, I was nervous. I, I wanted to hear, I'm sorry, son, for the hell I put you and your mom and your siblings through. That's what I wanted to hear. Instead, all he wanted to talk about was the person that he was right now. And God taught me a big lesson. See, my, my record player was stuck. It was skipping 18 years in the past. Well, does everybody know what a record is in here? Okay, <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> CD, the CD was skipping, huh? God said to me, you know what happened back then, and he knows what happened back then. There's nothing either one of you can do to change it. So deal with the person I have in front of you. He says to me, son, I wrote a new song. You want to hear it? Yeah, pop. So he puts on the song. It's an instrumental. He starts to sing. Oh, Lord, sweet Jesus, have mercy on me. My eyes are wide open, yet I fail to see. Dear Lord, I beg you, please have mercy on me. I'm so sorry, Lord, forgive me. I want to live a life that's honest and true. I will let nothing stand in my way. Sweet Jesus, please hear my prayer. Teach me how to pray. Dear Lord, I beg you, have mercy, on and on. I'm saying to myself, you can't fake this. So when he finished singing, I don't know what possessed me to do this, but I literally walked up into his face and I said, I'm going to ask you a question right now. If you've ever loved me even once as your son, don't lie to me. If you're going to lie, say nothing. What happened to you? All oh, this Jesus and mercy. Had I not been standing in that man's face to hear what came out of his mouth next, I would never have believed it. This unbaptized pagan who never went to church and destroyed our family looked me in the face and said the blessed mother and divine mercy. I was completely stunned. I could say, literally could say nothing. My mom is living with us in Oregon. We moved her in to live with us. I got back home, is it true, son? It's true, mommy. My father surprised, literally surprised us a year later by saying I'm coming to Oregon to meet my grandchildren. Remember, he's never met my wife for kids till five years ago. He came out to Oregon. 
risk real quick, because I know I'm just about out of time. He reconciled with my mom, which I never thought would happen. Come, and my, my mom died, literally, she died four months to the day, from my, uh, the day my father last saw her, to the day that my father last, almost to the hour. And the one, my mom to this day would not tell me what they talked about. That's between a husband and wife, ain't, not, ain't none of my business. But all she told me was that they reconciled, which is the one thing she wanted before she died. My father went to the first Catholic thing he's ever been to in his life, a men's conference in Portland. I wasn't even speaking. I said, Pop, I'm supposed to go to this thing just to support the guys. He said, yeah, let's go. He saw men praising the Lord in singles. But I didn't know Catholics could do it like this. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Who was one of the speakers? Father, my, my good friend, Father Donald Calloway. Have you heard Father Calloway's story? <laughs> do yourself a favor tonight, man. Google Father Donald Calloway. This is the most on-fire Marian priest you ever want to meet in your life. This is also a man who was thrown out of the country of Japan at 15 years old because he was into drugs, alcohol, prostitution, money laundering. 15. He was put on the plane by Japanese military police and never come back to this country again. My father's listening to this man's conversion story. He leans over to me and goes, that guy's a priest? Yeah, Pop. And he's listening. He goes, he's worse than me. <laughs> oh, Pop. The next day was Sunday, and it was Father's Day that year. I preach in my parish on Father's Day. I read the gospel. Here's my, I've never seen my father in church until five years ago. Here he is sitting in the front pew. This was a new experience. I read the gospel, then I looked at him. I took my homily, tore it up. I looked at my father and I just started preaching. Pointing to my father preaching. People were crying. People were literally were screaming. People were, it was amazing. My father's in tears. First time I ever saw my father in church. My father's completely different. If you talk to my father now, if the words Jesus and love doesn't come out of his mouth, the first sentence, something's wrong. You can't get the guy out of church now. So men have got to ask you, what's your excuse? You have baptism, you have confession, you have confirmation, you have the Eucharist. What's your excuse that you can't be the man of God that Christ called you to be? And so I end. As Catholics, we know that there is no resurrection without crucifixion. Let us always choose to follow Jesus as true men of God, living our spirituality from the cross of Christ, who through the fire of his love will lead us from sorrow to joy, from despair to hope, and from death to everlasting life, amen. God bless you guys. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For an audio archive of this program, go to livingbreadradio.com and click on the programming menu. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.